touchdown, Wisconsin, and this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. So last night I was uh, I was loving watching the Bucks last night. Sat down like like set aside time to watch the Bucks. Last couple games I've had them on in the background or on my laptop while I've been doing something else. Last night I sat down and I watched the Bucks and I was loving it. The Bucks last night they beat a young talented Atlanta Hawks team in Atlanta. 135-127 and I enjoyed it so much. I was having such a good time. I was in such a great mood. I was eating it up on Twitter. Couldn't wait to watch highlights, read recaps, talk about it tonight, right? And then the last four minutes just completely ruined the game, ruined my night, and I went to bed with a stomach ache and a headache because it left a horrible taste in my mouth. Horrible taste in my mouth. And those of you who were watching the Bucks game last night, you'll, you'll, you'll know what I mean. You'll understand what I mean, and I, and I want to talk more about it coming up here in a few minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you're having a good night. We have so much to get to today. We had a little bit of breaking news. We have some interesting Packers news, and we'll get to all of that. The Brewers today, rest in peace to Yasmani Grandal's time as a Milwaukee Brewer. It was fun. I got my hopes up that they were going to keep him. Not the case. He signed with the White Sox today. So we'll talk about that coming up soon. We'll talk a little bit of Packers news today. Greg Jennings um, did a podcast earlier today. Was running his mouth a little bit and and... Had some quotations that made my eyes shoot open. Took me took me back a little bit. I want to talk about that because I, I personally I think it's really entertaining. I think it's really entertaining. Greg Jennings just ranting and venting about his relationship with Aaron Rodgers, or I guess lack thereof. So I do want to talk about that coming up. Uh, but I wanted to start with last night's Bucks game. They won one thirty five, one twenty seven, and you and you might hear that and say, Grant, well, how did how did that ruin your night? How did that ruin your night? You whiny, entitled. Spoiled baby, right? How did that ruin your night? The Bucks won by eight points on the road. It's not the final score, right? I, look, I, it's not like I'm not happy if the Bucks don't blow teams out by 20, or, or I expect Giannis to have a triple-double every single night, although last night he was great, 33-11-4. Had a steal and a block as well. He's on an unreal tear. They won 135-127. It, it was the way that that final score came about. Because with 3.42 to play, the Bucks were up 125-106. 125 to 106 with 3.42 to play in the game. Fans were heading for the exits, right? The reserves were in. And then it just became this disgusting, just headache-inducing mess of really bad turnovers by Eric Bledsoe, not passing out of double teams, fumbling the ball out of bounds, reviews, coach challenges, foul outs, Full court presses, traps, yuck, yuck. I did not sign up to watch a college basketball game last night. That's what I got. That's what I got. The final 60 seconds of the game, I don't know how, it it ruined my night. It completely ruined my night. They were up 125-106 with 342 to play. I'm thinking, man, I love the Bucs. High on the Bucks right now. We were talking about them yesterday. I said they're ten and three as of yesterday. They were ten and three now, eleven and three, and they're way better than their record would indicate. They're playing great. The Celtics have a tough stretch of schedule coming up. You saw them lost. Uh, they lost in what might have been the the game of the year last night in Los Angeles, right? And then last night, just bleh, awful, terrible in that final three and a half minutes. And look, the the Bucks were really never in danger of losing. I, I was really never concerned that the Bucks were going to lose, but. 
horrible turnovers, reviews, coach challenges, full court presses, traps. That's what you watch at just a really like bad uh like middle school basketball tournament or, or a or a really low level college basketball game. I did not sign up for that last night. I was not prepared for it. So let's not focus on the final three and a half minutes. Let's focus on what the Bucks did well last night because they did win 135-127 and they were up 24 points with 342 to play. So if we cast aside the ugliness and the headache-inducing mess that came on at the end of yesterday's game and we look at the good things, Giannis had 17 points in the third quarter. Now, putting up 17 points in any quarter is good. Let's focus specifically on the third quarter and specifically last night. Why I like that and why I put a little bit of stock into that, I'm not treating it like it's the end-all, be-all, but 17 points in the third quarter last night reminded me of last year. Reminded me of 2018, 2019, when the Bucks would come out of halftime against an inferior opponent and put one just stomp down of a run on the opponent, right? They would have a great third quarter. And last night, the Bucks did. They outscored the Hawks 38-22 in the third quarter. And last year... They were putting games away in the third quarter because they would come out of halftime and just put together a run that would essentially end it. And last night, it was it was essentially over. But this year, the Bucs are, are going to get every team's best shot, right? So the Hawks stay around. They make it interesting at the end. But Giannis scoring 17 points in the third quarter was reminiscent of what we saw last year. And last year, of course, a season where the Bucs were the one seed, where they went to the Eastern Conference Finals, where Giannis was the MVP. If you can follow that model... We saw last year. That's that's always going to be a good thing. So seeing seeing a little bit of a a little bit of a reminder of how they played last year, last night in the third quarter with Giannis, seventeen points. That's a really good sign. What I love to see happen in the fourth quarter before that meltdown, and that was Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe took over last night in the fourth quarter, and I use the words "takeover" really deliberately because that's what I mean. And and I've talked to, talked to you on the Five Star Telecom talking text line and on Twitter. I know we have listeners who are Bucks fans. Who, who hammer this sentiment home, who talk about this all the time, that when Eric Bledsoe is on, he can take over a game. When the offense is in the mud and nothing's really going, right, and, and the Bucks are, are getting ran over, or the other team's trying to put together a run, Eric Bledsoe is that guy who can say, all right, I'm taking over. I'm going to make something happen. Whether that's driving, whether that's finishing around the rim or getting to the free throw line, or last night, hitting a couple of threes as well. He hit three of six from beyond the three-point line. Hit a couple in a row in that fourth quarter, too. He was tremendous. Eric Bledsoe took over in the fourth quarter. And, and that's not an expression. That's not a cliche. I use those words very deliberately. Took over. Said, all right, I'm going to end this game, essentially. right? I'm going to put this one away. I'm going to take over. That's what he did. That was a good sign and also something that we saw a lot last year. Once again, if the Bucks can follow that model, follow that model of success that they used a year ago, that's a good sign. Uh, bench scoring was spread around really, really well last night. I, I think maybe a problem we saw in the postseason with the Bucks last year is Malcolm Brogdon or George Hill would go off and then the rest of the bench would be relatively quiet, right? If you can spread around bench points and make as many players a threat to score the basketball as possible, you're doing a good thing. Last night, listen to this. Robin Lopez had nine points. George Hill had nine. Sterling Brown had eight. Pat Connaughton had seven. Kyle Korver had six spreading those points around, right? That way, Atlanta and their head coach and, and and their coaching staff and players don't have to say, okay, we need to take George Hill out of the game. If we can do that, we can really shut down their bench. Well, you got to worry about Robin Lopez and Sterling Brown, who is so good at that short corner three. He hit two of three from beyond the, beyond the arc last night. 
and Pat Connaughton, who is endlessly athletic, and Dante DiVincenzo, who was in the starting lineup but essentially fits that that group as well because when Chris Middleton comes back, I'd imagine Dante goes back to the bench. Once again, very deep bench, a lot of talented players, and a lot of scores to have to worry about. A couple of different aspects last night, very reminiscent of 2018, 2019, and that's always going to be a good sign for the Bucks. Always going to be a good sign for the Bucks. Well, uh, tonight I was hoping to be able to talk to Brian Sampson. Now, he covers the Bucks for Forbes, and you know him on Twitter at Bucks Film Room. Watches every Bucks game twice, posts film breakdowns that make me a smarter basketball fan that, that allow me to actually understand what's going on. And he uses analytics and statistics to really put the Bucks into perspective. And I love, I, I love reading his work and trying to form opinions using his work because everything is based in evidence. Everything is based in fact or in statistic. And I was really hoping to get him on today. I talked yesterday, sounded like it was going to happen. Sounded like it was going to happen, and it looks like he's got something going on. Haven't been able to reach him. So, if we reach him, we'll connect on the other side of the break. And if not, I want to continue talking about the Bucks. I have a couple more talking points I want to hit on last night. Because the Bucks are 11-3, and despite playing, up until this point, the league's most difficult schedule. And you got to give him some credit. We're going to talk Brewers. We're going to talk Yasmani Grandal coming up at 5.30. And a fascinating, hilariously entertaining Bucks uh, Packers storyline coming up right before six as well we have a jam-packed show hang around you're listening to the wisco sports show presented by played against sports right here on wkty this is the wisco sports show here on wkty my name is grant bills Thanks for hanging out. Uh, Thanks for being here. If you want to join in on the conversation, you're always welcome. Always would love to talk to you. 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talk and text line. Twitter is always wide open as well, at Grant, And you can find us all at WKTY. Speaking of Twitter, uh, I was hoping to be able to speak to one of the finest members of Buck's Twitter. That's Buck's Film Room. Uh, Now, of course, that's his social media name social media Twitter handle uh, his real name Brian Sampson who lives and works uh, right here in lacrosse you known to see the man downtown sometimes and he covers the bucks uh, for Forbes using analytics using evidence using statistics and, and brings a really well put together factual based uh, analysis and coverage of the bucks and I love reading his work he had an awesome piece in Forbes the other day uh, about Sterling Brown and just how effective he is at doing different things and how valuable he is to the Bucks made me look at Sterling Brown in a completely different way. And that's often what I find when I watch his film breakdowns and when I read his stuff, uh, Brian Sampson, that is, uh, for Forbes. I-, I find myself being a smarter basketball fan and a smarter Bucks fan. So I- we're not going to be able to talk to him today, unfortunately, hopefully sometime in the future. But you got to get on. You got to read his stuff. You got to follow him on Twitter. Uh, at Bucks Film Room. Last night, the Bucks did win. They they won in Atlanta, 135-127. That Atlanta Hawks team is it has a lot of potential, and they are very young and very talented. First of all, Trey Young, look, I don't know if he's going to be Steph Curry one day. I think a lot of people, that's the comparison, that's the ceiling, or that's the goal, right? I, I don't know if he's going to be Steph Curry, but he is a weapon. He is so fast, and he's so quick, and he can he can get his shot off like that so quickly. He's such a hair trigger, and he's such a dangerous, difficult-to-defend player. Now, if the if the Hawks can keep Trey Young healthy and he can progress to superstar level, which it looks like he's going to be able to, they just need to get one of these other young guys to hit, right? They love Kevin Herter. They, they just drafted Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter was, 
I was really impressed last night. He had 27 points. And, of course, they, they got Jabari Parker as well. Like, this is a young, talented Hawks team. Of course, playing in Atlanta, they got the veteran Vince Carter. They have the rookie Bruno Fernando as well. They have a lot of different pieces. That's not an easy win to get. Now, it's, it's, a, it's a win that the Bucs should get, and, and they took care of business last night. But in the NBA, I, I think there are only a couple of games. The following is a test of the West Wisconsin area emergency alert system. a couple of teams in the NBA that's like, man, if you don't if you don't win, what the hell? Like what's going on? The Hawks are not one of those teams, even though they are four and ten. They're they're a young talented team and they're fun to watch. So the Bucks uh doing a good job last night getting into Atlanta and getting out with the win. The first forty five minutes of the game were a pleasure to watch and I think a good example of why the Bucks are good, things that they do well, things that they are strong in. Now, the last three minutes and 42 seconds, that's when it got ugly. That's when I got a headache, and I'm like, man, I need I need a Tums, and I need a nap. That's how I felt after that game. And the last four minutes ruined it for me because they were up 125-106 with about three minutes to play, three and a half minutes to play. And then the final couple of minutes, there were a bunch of bad turnovers. Like, Eric Bledsoe, for whatever reason, and he did take over in the fourth, and he was tremendous. But for whatever reason, just didn't want to pass out of a double team. Right? There were a, a couple reviews. There were a couple foul outs. There were some challenges and just full court presses and traps. Just ugh, yuck. I don't. I didn't want high school basketball. I didn't want middle school traveling weekend league basketball with full court presses and traps and the ball getting kicked around everywhere. I tuned in for an NBA game and that disappeared. That NBA game disappeared in the final three and a half minutes. Nonetheless, the Bucks able to win 135-127, and I thought they did a couple of things last night that were very reminiscent and reminding of, of what the Bucks did so well a year ago that led them to ultimately get the one seed and ultimately the MVP and, and push all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. Giannis was tremendous in the third quarter. He had 17 points. He was everywhere. And we saw that a lot last year, right, where the Bucks would go into halftime, up a couple of points. They would make adjustments. Coach Bud would tell them what, what they need to do. They'd come out in, in the third quarter, and they would rampage teams. They would hit you with this waterfall of third quarter points, and the game would be over in, in shorthand, right? And that's something that we saw the Warriors be really good at it when they were at their peak as well. Third quarter is a huge Quarter. How do you react? How do you respond to adjustments at halftime? And how do you come out and apply them? The Bucks were very good at that last year. And last night with Giannis scoring 17 in the third, at halftime they must have said, okay, Giannis, these are ways we can get you involved. These are some plays we can get you in a, in a favorable matchup. And they came out and executed, which is a great sign and very reminiscent of last year. Bledsoe in the fourth quarter, minus the last couple of minutes, was tremendous. He took over. And I mean that in a literal sense. I'm deliberately using the words takeover. And Bucks fans, you understand this. When the offense is stuck in the mud, things aren't going well, Bledsoe can sometimes become the Bled show where he just does it by himself and he gets the offense jump-started. He was tremendous in the fourth quarter. Reminded me of last year. And the Bucks bench scoring, man, it, make, it is really difficult to defend when every single player who played last night scored. DJ Wilson, who played the fewest number of minutes alongside Kyle Korver. Korver actually had 12, Wilson had 18. Wilson had two points, Lopez, nine, Hill, nine, Sterling Brown, eight, Connaughton, seven, Kyle Korver, six, Urson got the night off, and Thanasis didn't play. Every single player who entered the game last night scored at least two points, and after that, every player scored at least six. 
if you exclude DJ Wilson. Makes it really difficult to stop. You have that many scoring threats and that many competent players coming off the bench, for lack of a better word. It's really difficult to defend. You have one stud on your bench, like a Lou Williams. All right, stop Lou Williams. Make the other bench players score. Make the other bench players beat you. When you have George Hill, who has been playing like a sixth man of the year, I'm not arguing that he should be sixth man of the year, but that's that's the caliber of production that he has had off the bench. And you also have to worry about the veteran Robin Lopez and Sterling Brown, who does so many things well, in, including he might be one of the best short corner three shooters in the league. He hit two or three last night, and he might be one of the best rebounding uh, players at his size and at his position. A lot of different things to worry about off the bench, and it makes it difficult to single out and defend. Bucks were really good. A couple different things I saw last night. And look, I've been complaining like the like the final couple of minutes ruined my night last night. And it certainly impacted my mood. Don't get me wrong, because that's how lame I am. But I think the last couple of minutes of last night's game is a good reminder and a strong reminder of how the Bucks situation is different this season in comparison to last season. And this is a point, I don't know how many times I've talked about this now, but it keeps coming up in different places and different times and in different applications. Last night, the Bucks were leading with 3.42 to play. They were up 125-106. That game should have been over, and it was over. Like I, That game was always in hand. Now it got close, but it was never like, man, the Bucks might actually lose this game, right? That moment of truth where you all look around and you're like, oh, boy, like we thought this was in the bag. It is no longer. No, I, I that game was always in hand last night. But... That hard-fought, ugly last couple of minutes where the Hawks would just not quit. The Hawks just wouldn't die. It's a reminder of the difference this year in comparison to last. Last year, the Bucks were putting teams away in the third quarter. Because for the most part, the Bucks kind of flew under the radar last year, right? I don't think anybody really realized how good they were until they got into the playoffs and just, just demolished the Boston Celtics, excluding the first game. You're like, holy cow, this Bucks team is really, really good, and they're really well coached, and they have the MVP, and they're deep. Holy cow. That realization, for most, happened in the postseason last year. Now everybody knows who this Bucks team is. And teams aren't going to lie down. They're just not. Because the Bucks are going to get the opposition's best shot every night. Giannis is going to get the opposition's best shot every night because he's the MVP. Now has his signature chew. Coach Bud is now the reigning coach of the year and John Horst exec of the year. Everybody knows who the Bucks are and how good they are. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to lead sports talk shows in the morning. They're not going to be the first topic on first take with Stephen A. Smith. And, and Colin Cowherd isn't leading talking about the Milwaukee Bucks. Don't get me wrong. But NBA coaches and NBA players, they know, right? And that's what makes this season different than last. Last year, man, the Bucks would go on a big run in the third quarter and the opposition would say, all right, let's call it. Let's rest our starters a little bit. We'll try again in two nights. Now, coaches know, man, if, 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 if we can beat the Bucks tonight, man, do I, that looks great for me. That's a, that's a feather in my cap as a head coach. A lot of job security issues in NBA coaches right now. I didn't even know the name of the guy. I'd never seen the Atlanta Hawks coach before last night. I looked and I said, who? A lot of turnover, right? And if you can get a win like, like last night, the Hawks could have got that win. Man, that would have looked great for the head coach, right? You can knock off the reigning MVP, the reigning coach of the year, and the reigning Eastern Conference champion, the one seed, right? Not the champion in the postseason, unfortunately. 
The Bucks are going to draw the best shot from the opposition. And even up 24 points with just under four minutes to play, the Hawks wouldn't quit. And it's something I need to remind myself of. It's probably something that Coach Bud needs to remind his players of every once in a while. Say, hey, we have arrived. We are an elite team. And we are going to receive the, the, the most difficult and the strongest effort from our opposition every single night. Ask the Warriors about that, right? Ask LeBron about that. LeBron has faced that for the last 16 years. A difference in this season and in last season. And early on, Bucks blew some big leads. I don't know if they were prepared for that. Last week or so, we've seen them trending in the right direction. We've seen them been able to absorb a big run from the opposition and hold on to some of these leads to win, where previously early this season, I think they were maybe just expecting for things to go this year like they were last year. The Brewers this year, nope, not going to be the same. Uh, They lost one of their best players uh, in Yasmani Grandal, who signed with the Chicago White Sox earlier today. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. We need to get our feelings out because it feels like as soon as Yasmani Grandal was signed and wearing that Bruiser's jersey, he has just as quickly moved on. And it's sad, and we need to talk about it. That's coming up next. The Wisco Sports Show, back in a moment here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I am your host, Grant Bills. Hope you're having an excellent night. So close to the weekend, right? Thursday night football is back. We got football to watch tonight. Bucks are on tonight. Seven o'clock tip off here on WKTY. Kind of feels like the the week is picking up. It's just better with football on, right? After Monday night football, waking up on Tuesday morning, knowing that you got to go like over 48 hours uh, until another football game. It's a bad feeling. I'm glad football is back tonight. I'm glad the Bucks are back tonight for the second night in a row. Uh, the one team we really haven't touched on today, and, and probably the biggest news of the day, that's the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, they brought in Yasmani Grandal last offseason for one year. And, and I will say, unlike some free agents, and I don't want to name names, but unlike some free agents that maybe have been signed by the Packers or by the Bucks or by the Brewers, Yasmani Grandal, he kind of felt like a Brewer from day one, didn't he? And it certainly helps if he had a great season. Don't, don't get me wrong, that, that helps our impression of Yasmani Grandal a lot. But from day one, he just kind of felt like a brewer. And that's what makes this difficult. So the White Sox agreed two terms on a four-year, $73 million contract with free agent all-star catcher Yasmani Grandal. Under the terms of the agreement, Grandal will receive $18.25 million per year from 2020 through 2023. Now that was from the Chicago White Sox Twitter account. So they were the ones to tweet it out. We're going to miss you, Yaz. I... I loved watching Yasmani Grandal play this year. And I was a little bit bummed, obviously, uh, when I saw the news today. I, I thought it I, I didn't think he was gonna sign this early, honestly. I was I was hoping for some content like the Brewers are in negotiations with Grandal, this, that, and the other thing. Like I thought it was gonna be more of a saga. It actually moved rather quickly. The catching market has been moving pretty quickly. Um, so I guess it should be no surprise that Yasmani Grandal and that deal got done today. He really felt like a brewer from day one. That's not easy. It's not easy to fit in right away. Especially when, you know, Brewers don't typically sign big free agents and Ryan Braun's been here forever and we still talk about CeCe Sabathia like he's our favorite player and we still look back at Niger Morgan glowingly, right? Like, it's it's hard to add someone into this Brewers team and immediately make them feel like they belong. I thought Grandal did that. I, I and, and look, I don't know if that's a factor for David Stearns and I don't know if that's a factor of being a GM, but I will say Lorenzo Cain, Mike Moustakis, 
Yasmani Grandal, Christian Yelich, all these signings, all these acquisitions, they have they feel like Brewers. And of course, it helps that Lorenzo Cain was here already, and, and Moose was in Kansas City, which is comparable enough to Milwaukee, right? He, he's finding good guys who just seem to fit. I don't know if that impacts baseball. I don't know if that impacts chemistry. But for fans and for our experience watching the Brewers and enjoying the Brewers, it certainly helps. No more Yasmani Grandal, which means Manny Pena, as of right now, if they don't make another move, is the guy. Uh, if you want to talk Brewers and talk Grandal, you can reach me on the Five Star Telecom talking text line at 608 796 2558. Tom says, like many, I'm disappointed the Brewers let him walk. I can live with Pena, but the Brewers will have to spend to reinforce other areas. Need a real first baseman, uh, need to secure Moose or somebody equal, and reinforce the pitching staff. Yes, all of them. Get out the checkbook. I think, look, I don't even know if I should do the rest of the segment. Let's wrap up the show now. I think that sums it up perfectly. You're going to have to reinforce a couple of groups. The Brewers are going to have to spend some money or make some moves this offseason. And I want to talk about that more coming up. Look, I, I think there's this narrative and there's this belief that well, the, Brewer, the Brewers, were you knew they were never going to be able to re-sign him. He was too expensive. The only reason they got him last offseason was because he was willing to take a one-year prove-it deal, right? That you knew that it was never, it was never realistic. They were never going to do it. No, don't give the Brewers that pass. Do not let the Brewers off the hook like that. Don't give them the pass. Remember, this was last week or the week before, John Heyman had it sourced that the Brewers were uh, looking to re-sign both Yasmani Grandal and Mike Moustakis. And I played that off as obvious. Right, I played that off as duh, of course they are. But at some point, somebody in the Brewers front office or or one or both of the agents representing Moose and Grandal leaked that, right? Things news like that doesn't come out for no reason. There's motivation from somebody. Now, I would imagine it's it's one or both of the agents saying, Yeah, the Brewers are really interested. It's gonna take a big price to convince us otherwise, right? But like that that information doesn't come from nowhere. And if the Brewers were looking to re-sign both, then if they let these players walk, we can't turn around and say, well, they never they never intended to keep him anyway. Can't have it both ways, right? We cannot give the Brewers that pass. Now, if you want to argue, like many did with Malcolm Brogdon and are doing to this day with Malcolm Brogdon, well, the Bucks feel they can spend that money better. The Brewers feel that they can spend that Yasmani Grandal money better. Maybe give it to a couple of players. Okay, fine. I'll hear you out. I'd love to hear your argument. But what I don't want to hear is, well, you knew the Brewers were never going to re-sign him. Okay, so are the Brewers just not going to try to win ever? Like, were the last two years, is that as good as it's going to get? And, and, you know, David Stearns and Mark Atanasio feel that they did their job, and all right, now we'll let it crumble down, and maybe in another decade or so, we'll we'll try to win another division. I'm, I'm not willing to accept that. I'm not willing to accept that logic. Now... In my opinion, and and look, as somebody who's watched every Brewer game, read all there is to read about the Brewers, and, and feel like I have a pretty good understanding of this team, and once again, if you disagree, please let me know, 608-796-2558. Look, they better be planning to re-sign Moustakis. And they better be planning to, to sign a starting pitcher or two. Because as of today, November 21st, 2019, I think this Brewer ball club, as it currently sits, is a 500 team. Now, if they get hot and things work out and they overachieve, I think they can win more than 500 games. But I think right now they're about 500. They're not a horrible team. They're not a bad team, but they're not a great team. They're not as good as they were two years ago. I I don't think they were as good as they were last year, let alone as good as they were 24 hours ago because they lost one of their best bats and their everyday catcher who can play every day. And on his off day, he can pinch it and even play first base. The Brewers are a 500 team as of right now, I think. 
And that's assuming Christian Yelich can, can beat this injury and come back and still be Christian Yelich. And you might be thinking, Grant, dude, come on, you're in a bad mood. Like, take it easy. The Brewers aren't a 500 team. Okay. Look, I think the Brewers are good, but, but consider all the question marks. Consider everything that is up in the air right now. Freddy Peralta, what's he going to do next year? Are they going to keep him in the pen? Because he had, like, two good stretches in the pen. Otherwise, he was horrible. He was horrible as a starter outside of the Cincinnati game where he had all those strikeouts, right? If you keep falling back onto one great performance, player's probably not that good. Remember, we did the same thing with Alex Hornibrook. Remember the BYU game? Remember the Orange Bowl? Yeah, because those are the only two good ones. Like, if we have to talk about that one save that Freddie Peralta got and that one game in the first two weeks of the year against Cincinnati, and we have to use those as logic to why Freddie Peralta is going to be good, uh-uh. Nope, that, nope, not buying that. What about Corbin Burns? Remember, in August and September last year, Corbin Burns wasn't even pitching. He wasn't even pitching games. Not even in the minors. He was in Arizona working on his on his craft. Right? What about Travis Shaw? What are they going to do with Travis Shaw? As you go back to third base, that all depends on whether or not they re-sign Mike Moustakis. Then what about second base, right? What about Lorenzo Cain? I love Lorenzo Cain. He just won a gold glove. But man, offensively, that was a bad season. And and it, it left a lot of runs out there, and it left a lot of meat on the bone because he had crazy production behind him in Christian Yelich. What about Corey Knable? I hope... The Corey Knable comes back and pitches at the level like we saw in, in 2018. We don't know that, right? It's a big injury. It's a big procedure, big surgery, a lot of recovery. We all thought Jimmy Nelson, when he got back from that injury, would go back to being Jimmy Nelson. No. Assumptions are dangerous, aren't they? Right? You can get yourself in trouble assuming. That's why in an offseason when the Brewers have to rebuild this team and acquire talent and build their starting rotation and sure up their infield and sure up their catcher position, you can't assume. You need to take everything into account. What about first base? What about the catcher position? Are you okay with Manny Pena being your everyday catcher? I like Manny Pena, but I think his best role is the role we saw him in last year when he was a once-a-week player and a great pinch hitter. Manny Pena was great last year. because I, I, I think because the Brewers didn't ask him to do too much. Now, because the Brewers have been great under Craig Council and because Christian Yelich has been an MVP almost a back-to-back MVP, we assume they'll figure it out next year, right? They'll bounce back and they'll return to 2018 form rather than continuing to decline. I'm not willing to operate under that assumption. You shouldn't be willing to operate under that assumption. And David Stearns should definitely never operate under an assumption. It's his job to not operate under assumptions, right? I just gave you off the top of my head, what, six or seven Question marks that need to be answered before next season. Freddie Peralta, Corbin Burns, Travis Shaw, Corey Knable, Lorenzo Cain, first base, catcher. The Brewers need to figure those things out. And they're getting farther away from answers, letting guys like Yasmani Grandal go rather than closer. And once again, if you want to use the Malcolm Brogdon, uh, Brogdon argument, which I think is a good one, right? You need to have evidence. You need to, you need to have you need to have substance. But if you want to use the Malcolm Brogdon argument where you say the Brewers are going to spend that money elsewhere, they're going to take that 18 and a quarter million dollars per year and they're going to divvy it up between this pitcher and this pitcher and this position player. Okay, fine. Tell me who. Tell me who. Who? I hope David Stearns knows the who and the how and the why and the when and the where and I hope he has that ironed out. 
But by letting Yasmani Grandal walk, you are much, much worse as a baseball team than you were 24 hours ago. Yasmani Grandal was great this season. An all-star, hit for power, hit for RBIs, and when he wasn't feeling it at the plate, when he was going through rough stretches, he got on base. He walked at an unreal clip. You cannot argue that the Brewers got better by letting Yasmani Grandal go. Now, the argument that I think is going to be made and, and what the Brewers are going to try to do is take that money and spend it elsewhere, probably on a couple players. But that's easier said than done, right? You got to execute. You got to go sign the guys. You can't just talk about it. You can't just assume. You actually got to go out and do it. So this decision to let Yasmani Grandal sign, whether it's a good or a bad, an A or an F or a C or a D, it's, it's yet to be seen. Because the Brewers could take that money and... Bolster their starting pitching, bolster their bullpen, get another infielder. But if they do nothing, you can't argue that they get better losing a great player. That's just not how sports works. That's not how baseball works. Uh, coming up next, we got to talk Packers. This is this. I'm going to have so much fun talking about this. I think this is fascinating. We all know Greg Jennings, right? Has kind of become the the Packers gossip guy on Fox and on Fox Sports One, right? The Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the Aaron Rodgers guru when talking about the coach, when talking about the press conferences, all that. So Greg Jennings hopped on the Adam Lefke podcast, who is at Bleacher Report, earlier today, or maybe it was late yesterday. I don't know. I, I read it and watched it today and, and talked a little bit about Aaron Rodgers. And I showed it to a couple coworkers before the show and they went, whoa, whoa. And we have heard Greg Jennings talk about this stuff for, for years now, right? And, and I heard this and watched this and I went, whoa. I'll explain what I mean coming up next. Greg Jennings sounding pretty petty. Sounding really petty. A little sensitive, too. We'll talk about it coming up next. Preview Packers Niners just a little bit while we wrap up the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. We're talking Packers. My name is Grant Bills. I'm your host. Thanks for being here. So, look... We've previewed the Niners, the Packers game coming up this weekend. All the seeding implications, right? All the interesting matchups. In fact, I think one of the most telling quotations came from Aaron Rodgers uh, in the last 24 hours talking about what this game means. And I thought he summed it up well. He said, look, we're probably going to have to play these guys. Or excuse me. Let me start over. To accomplish the goals that the Packers want this year, Aaron Rodgers said, we're going to have to win in San Francisco at some point. If we do it now... We probably won't have to do it again. If we lose this Sunday, we're probably going to have to go play in San Fran. And I think that really sums it up well as, as much as I butchered it. So there's a lot of, a lot on the line this weekend, and we've talked about it all. I, I, I saw this news today, and then I dug a little bit deeper, and I said we cannot, we cannot do a Wisco sports show without talking about this. And, and it's something that Greg Jennings said. Greg Jennings, of course, you probably all know is at Fox and at FS1. Uh, and he does NFL coverage, and most of the time, he is just the guy to go to when you want to talk about Aaron Rodgers. Um, and, and I'll be clear, and I'll get this out of the way with at the beginning, I, I'm not a huge Greg Jennings fan. I, I, I don't know him personally. As a broadcaster, he drives me crazy because I don't think he's particularly good at what he does. I don't think he's very well-spoken. Yesterday, he used the expression, the Patriots', rep- or the, the Patriots uh, reputation proceeds them. Like the, the term is precede. Like we're like I, I don't think he's a very good broadcaster. What happened was he had he had some dirt on Aaron Rodgers. He had some intel on Aaron Rodgers. 
So he started making the rounds on television, and then they hired him full time to talk about other things. And then, like, oh wait, he's okay. So he's not actually very good at it. Like he can't actually speak smartly for a very long time about sports. I am not a huge fan of Greg Jennings. This is this is fascinating. This is I, I'm eating this up. So he did Adam Lefke's Bleacher Report podcast uh, yesterday or earlier today. I didn't see it until this afternoon. I don't know exactly when it was taped. Maybe it was months ago. Who knows? Naturally, Aaron Rodgers comes up, right? Because what else are they going to talk about? Greg Jennings can't go for very long and sound intelligent when talking about anything other than Aaron Rodgers, right? This is the, this is how it all got started. And Adam Lefke talking to Greg about how, look, like you've called Aaron Rodgers sensitive in the past, right? We're just kind of putting it in context, speaking about Aaron Rodgers. I've definitely gotten past it, but I, one thing I, I feel like I still will always have this part of me is that, it a what if no it's it's not a what if it's i know what i said and i i know aaron and I, I don't even like calling him sensitive anymore we we know what he is but when i when i say and speak of him as being sensitive right now i'm talking about just as humanistic he's 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 just a sensitive guy okay okay so to to preface all of this aaron rodgers is the sensitive one remember not Greg Jennings, not me, but Aaron Rodgers. He's the sensitive one. We know how he is. We know how he doesn't let things go, even though we're going on years now, me going on podcasts and television shows and, and talking about this. But he's the sensitive one. He's the one who holds grudges. He, 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 he. Aaron Rodgers, not me, not Greg Jennings. So the conversation moves forward and it eventually gets around to, Greg, what the hell do you actually want? Like, what are you trying to achieve? Like, what will actually make you happy because you seem so just angry and malcontent with the way things are between you and your former quarterback. What will make you happy? This was a soundbite. This was the headline. This is what got everybody talking. And so for me, like, all I want, I, I, I promise you. just want you, that five minutes. I, that's all I want. I, 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 and, and I don't want it for TV. You don't I don't want, want yes, it for those reasons. Announce it. I don't get, I you just, just want, want him to know. Because I know if I get him in a room. He knows me well enough to yeah. where he's going to say, Greg, why did you, why, why would you, and I would tell him, dude, that hurt. I don't want to, I don't want to tell everybody else. I wanted to tell you, I reached out to you. I came to Green Bay. You didn't even acknowledge me. I told Mike, can I get, have time with Aaron? You didn't acknowledge it. I told Flea, I told the whole training yeah. staff, tell Aaron, I want to link up with him behind closed doors. Never acknowledged it. Aaron is so sensitive. Like, Aaron Rodgers is so petty. Listen to how like, how he holds on to things. Can you believe it? Of course, I'm, I'm being sarcastic here. Listen to how this soundbite starts. Listen to Greg Jennings' voice. And so for me, like, all I want, I, I, I promise you. just want you, that five minutes. I, that's all I want. That's all I want. I watched and listened to this with a couple coworkers before the show, and we're like, oh, holy balls. Damn. Tell us how you really feel, Greg. But Aaron Rodgers is the sensitive one, right? He's the one that's holding on to grudges. He's the one that won't let this go. It sounds like Aaron Rodgers is the one that is actually doing okay. That has actually kind of moved on with his life, you know, got a girlfriend, got a career, likes to travel, likes to make commercials, make money for himself. And Greg Jennings is like, man, I want five minutes. I got to explain myself. I don't know why I'm giving him a Southern accent, but you get the point. Do you know what? Do you know how I, I think I can best sum this up with a relationship analogy? If you'll bear with me. Because at one point, these two these two guys played together. They were close. And then they broke up. 
right? Now, I don't know what originally caused this, whatever. Like most breakups, it was probably both ways. Aaron, it sounds like, made some some missed attempts at humor that landed poorly with Jennings. Jennings took some swipes on TV to kind of make a name for himself, and bam, they're broken up. Okay. A little bit on both sides, probably like most like most breakups, right? So time passes, years go by, and one party, in this case, Greg Jennings, and he's talking mad smack, right? Bad mouthing, throwing dirt on Aaron Rodgers' name. Man, he did this back in the day. He did that, right? God, I hate him. He sucks. He's the worst. Rodgers being quiet, right? Think of that as a relationship. You break up. It's it's mutual. You maybe don't love each other, but you don't need to trash each other, right? Move on with your life. And that one party's just trashing, just throwing shade, just kind of being a jerk, right? For no reason. We get it. Relationships end. It happens. Aaron Rodgers, he's been quiet. He hasn't really said much, right? He's moving on with his life. But now, but now, after five or six years of just talking smack, talking bad about your ex-lover or ex-teammate's name, and now you're the one, man, I, give me five minutes. Give me five minutes to explain myself, please. Right? Oh, you're so sensitive. Give me five minutes to explain myself. It sounds, it sounds like Aaron Rodgers has, has moved on here. And he's got a girlfriend. And he's got a career. Right? And he makes commercials and he likes to travel and he's worldly. And Greg Jennings is like, man, let me explain myself. Let me get in a room. I want, I want five minutes. That's all I want. That's all I need. That's all I'm asking for. Right? Listen to this. All I want. I, I, I promise you. just want you, that five minutes. I, that's all I want. That's all I want. Greg, it sounds like one party in this situation is actually a little bit more sensitive and cares a little bit more about this than the other. Breakups happen. For mutual reasons, you don't see eye to eye on things. You just you just don't link up. You don't connect the way you used to. So you move on, and you you do other things. You talk to other people. You have other conversations. You get new hobbies. Jesus, just God, can we end this? Can we let this go? I, I thought, look, for the brand of Greg Jennings and trying to be unbiased here, I thought that was kind of a tough look. It kind of said, this podcast sounded like Greg Jennings was in his therapist office, and everything started coming out. Which I'm not shaming, by the way. I'm not saying that's a bad thing to talk about your feelings, to have a therapist, or to let things out, but compared to what we've heard to what I saw and heard today, come on, Greg. Bucks play tonight, 7 o'clock tip-off. They play the Blazers right here on WKTY. Enjoy. Have an awesome weekend. Badger Roundtable show on tomorrow. I'll talk to you on Monday.